Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. so good to see you. One of my favorite times during the week is um, right before the message and you have that bumper and I get to look out around here and just see all of you and I love you and I'm just glad and grateful for each and every one of you. If you're joining us online or the podcast or the app, thank you so much for being with us as well. And so at this time, I just want to ask every one of us, if we would, let's get out our Bibles or open up a Bible app. And I would like to ask you to get to the Gospel of Mark, and that is the second book in the New Testament. And we're going to go to chapter 2, and today we will pick up in verse 1. And so what we're doing is we're in this series where we're just walking through the Gospel of Mark, and we're learning how to follow Jesus. And today we're going to look at bringing people to Jesus. That's what we're going to look at today, bringing people to Jesus. Now, real quick, before we get to the text, um, I kind of want to um, begin by asking a question, a question that I guess we'll kind of build upon, but here is the question. Have any of you ever desired to accomplish something so bad that you'd be willing to do almost anything to do it or spend almost any amount of money to uh, obtain it. I mean, to the point where you just look ridiculous doing it. I mean, it's an irrational desire. The outside, someone looking in at you doing this, you're pursuing this, you're seeking this goal, and they see you and they look at you and they say, man, that dude's a fool. Nobody would do that. Now, maybe, maybe you think, no, I've never done that. I've never pursued something irrationally. Um, But maybe I think many of you would say, yeah. In one way or another, I've pursued something irrationally that just looked ridiculous. Um, I've done it many times. But there's one time specifically that I remember in my life when I was pursuing something just just goofy. It was was goofy. Um, Let me tell you this story. Way back in the day, I don't know if you remember this. Some of you will, some of you won't, maybe. I don't know. But there used to be these little plastic NFL helmets and they would sell them or you could get them in a machine as you're like exiting a grocery store right and so what you would do is um you would drop you drop a you drop a quarter in the machine you turn the knob and then you'd, you'd get a helmet one helmet one helmet one quarter right one turn one helmet all right simple 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 enough well one year, me and one of my buddies, we decided that we would like to obtain every helmet from the NFL, which is weird because I'm not even a big football fan, but I was like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this, okay? So I don't know. There's 32 teams in the NFL. You 25 cents. Eight, that's $8. <laughs> Simple math, man. Eight, 
dollars. All right, so that's what we did. We proceeded to do that. And this one store, this is one store we go to, one quarter, one turn, one helmet. All right. Now it sounds simple, but maybe you've already thought about the problem, right? The problem is the machine does not distribute the helmets equally, right? In other words, I don't get to choose what helmet that I'm going to get, okay? And so we're sitting there, one quarter, one turn, one helmet. Ah, I got that one. And we, and, 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 and we keep doing that. And it's, a, it's an irrational desire because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We run out of money. Like, I got more money on me, right? I'm a, I'm a young guy. I got no more money. Um, I, was in high, okay, I was in high school. So we run out of money on us, and so we do what any rational individual would do. We leave the store, and we go to the nearest ATM machine, and we pull out more money, right? And we go back to the store, and we got one quarter, one turn, one helmet, right? And we, and we keep doing this. We do it so much, and that one machine, it gets so low, we can see all the helmets in there, and we discover that that machine does not even contain all the helmets that we need. Don't worry. There's other stores in town. So we go to other stores, man. Don't worry, don't worry. By the end of the summer, we had all 32 helmets. I know. My buddy still has the helmets, I think, in a bag, in a closet, or an attic, or something like that. So we were successful. Right. We're successful, okay? But anybody watching us doing that, spending that time, that money, that cost, all those things on that goal, they sit there and they would say, well, that's just irrational. Nobody would do that. Here's the question. Here's the question. I'd agree. That's, that's irrational. Maybe we've all done stuff similar. Here, here's the question. Is there... Is there a goal that is worth all cost, all time, all the time we have, and every mean we can think about? Is there something worth everything? Is there a goal worth pursuing that might cost everything? Yeah, absolutely. For the Christian? For the Christian, absolutely. What is it? What is it? Telling other people about Jesus. Right? It does. The Bible's clear. Jesus is clear. It's worth everything for the Christian to tell other people about Jesus. In fact, you think about Jesus. Jesus Jesus stepped out of heaven, put on flesh, came to earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross in my place for my sin so that by repenting and believing, calling on his name, he might will save me. Amen. And so today we're going to look at that in the text. In the text, we're going to see that. We're going to see that it's worth all means and all costs to tell all people about Jesus. Let's get to it. Mark chapter 2. We're going to walk through this tremendous story of Jesus. Verse 1, you can follow along in your outline, but we begin with just seeing the curious spectators. All right. Let me read verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1, the Gospel of Mark. And when he, that's Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at 
home, okay? So, so here's what's going on here, all right? Capernaum was Jesus' base of operation during his Galilean ministry. This is where Peter and Andrew were from, and Jesus most likely would stay at their home while he was in Capernaum. And so this is what Jesus would do. This is kind of his pattern. Jesus would go out, and he would preach the gospel in villages, maybe for a few days, maybe for months or whatever, and then he would return to Capernaum, all right? Now, that's what's going on here. Jesus has been out. He's been preaching. He has returned to Capernaum. He gets to Capernaum. He goes to this home. People see him there. They know him there. And people start saying to other people, hey, Jesus is over here. Right? They're going around. They're talking. Hey, Jesus is in town. Here is where Jesus is at. Now, I would say this. It is always appropriate to tell people where Jesus is if they do not know where he is. It's always appropriate, right? It's always appropriate to tell people who don't know about Jesus about Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus is here. Or you can know the gospel. This is how you repent and you believe. So that is what's going on here. Hey, listen, I mean, if you've been at Silverdale Saturday nights for any time at all, I've told you stories where in my life, I've, man, this goes down. It goes down here in Chattanooga. I've seen this. I've had stories and I've shared them with you where I have been in situations where I have shared the gospel with Muslim men and God saves them. They repent and they believe. And the stories that I've been around, the men I've been around, immediately they go and tell other people about Jesus, even though it may mean their life, Right? And that's what's going on here. Hey, Jesus, Jesus is here. All right, verse 2. And many were gathered together, that's in the home, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he, that's Jesus, was preaching the word to them. I mean, you, you, you can picture this, all right? Jesus, most likely at Peter's house. People here... Jesus is at this house. They start spreading the word, and so people start to come over. So many people come that the house is completely full. It's crammed. It, it, it is just crammed, right? Everywhere, everywhere. Everything, there's people everywhere. Outside, there's people in the windows. There's people in the doors. There's people. There's more and more people, so much so it's impossible. It's impossible even to get in the door. Hey, I was thinking about this. By the way, by the way, here's, here's, here's something you will never hear Jesus say. The room's too full. He, he'll never say that. Jesus never says that, man. Jesus, Jesus is never concerned about maybe our comfort. You never see Jesus being concerned about your comfort. He, he's never concerned about your preferences right no 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 is that seat comfortable enough for you is the temperature set just right jesus never asks those questions jesus jesus never says hey maybe we should go talk to the fire marshal no man jesus come on man we're gonna preach the word so that's what's that's what's going on here so the room is packed and it's, it's dusty, it's noisy, and outside there's heat and there's crowd. And you know, you got kids crying, right? There's so, so many, so many, so, so many people. Have you ever, have you, I don't know, maybe you have had a situation where you've been in a room so full of people and it's just hard to breathe. That's what I imagine this is like. It's just, it's just so many people. I've been in situations like that, right? There's just so many people, so many people. And there's the smell of sweat 
And I think the smell of sweat is kind of an, an earthy, an earthy, an earthy kind of smell. And there's heat from people all, all around you. Pressure on all sides. All sides. I've, been, I've been really blessed to preach in situations like this. And, uh, and it's weird, man. I mean, you sweat, you sweat. Um, this is, okay, I was in a situation, I think, similar to this where there's so many people. And it was so weird. This has only happened to me in those situations. Maybe it's happened to you before. There's so many people and it's so hot that my shins start sweating. You even had your shin splint, a sweat. That's crazy. Man, my clothes all sticking together. But that's what I imagine is going on here. So many people around. And what do you see Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing in all of this? It tells us in the text. It's always in the text, by the way, in the text. What is Jesus doing? Preaching the word. That's what he's doing. Why? Well, there's many reasons why, but I'm telling you right now, the Bible tells us that faith comes by what? Hearing the word of God, preaching. Let me say this real quick. This is an aside. Maybe you can help me here. But I've only found, and I'm flawed, I can miss this. I've only found two things the Christian can do that has supernatural power in the Bible. Prayer, 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 man, you want some power? You want to see things move? You want to see, pray, 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 power of God. Second, preaching the word of God. Not just what I'm doing here. I'm talking about at your work, at your school, to your neighbor, telling people about Jesus. You do that. Supernatural, supernatural, supernatural. Don't matter if you're good at it. just matters that you do it, all right? No, Jesus no, Jesus is not entertaining people. Jesus is not telling no jokes. Once again, he's not catering to the preference of the people around him. He's doing one thing, one thing, preaching the word. That's the picture. That's the picture you got there. That's what you see. But I think there's something going on in that room that people felt besides the power of God. I think there's tension in that room. I think there's great tension in that room. Why? Well, you can go to Luke chapter 5, and Luke chapter 5 tells us in that room were Pharisees, in that room were teachers of the law. You get to verse 6 that we're going to get to in a minute, you're going to see the scribes were there, and they sitting down. They all sitting down. So this is unbelievable. Like, like the, the people, the people, the people, they all standing up. The scribes, they sitting in the place of honor. And they just sit there, no, I'm going to listen to Jesus, and I hope Jesus makes a mistake. Because if he does, I'm going to go on Facebook. I'm going to tell Jesus. I'm going to tell. They're waiting for him to mess up so they could crucify him. You got all these people. You got this heat. You got this pressure. And you got this tension. There's fire in the air, guys. There's fire in the air. All right? That's the curious spectators. That's the scene being set up. You get to verse 3, and we're going to see. What I have in your notes, the crippled sinner. Verse number three. Gonna, we got the setting. Let's see what's going on. It says, and they, I don't know who the they is. Don't tell us who the they is. They came bringing to him, that's Jesus, a paralytic carried by four men. Okay, so this is interesting. It's interesting. You got this guy who is a paralytic. He has a condition that makes him completely dependent upon other people. And this brings me to the first truth that I have in your notes that I want you to get, all right? Here's the first truth. You can write this down. I want us all to see this. 
We must bring all people to Jesus. That's what we see here. All right? Now, we can go into what that means exactly. It means telling people. It means well, everything. But we got to bring all people to Jesus, right? Now, you sit here and you think about these men carrying the paralytic. They might very well have said, you know, this man's not worth bringing. He can't even walk. Man. He's not worth bringing. He's paralyzed. He's paralyzed. He's obviously a sinner. Jesus deals with that later. So this man, he is morally and physically, the world would say, looking at him, he is not much, much, not much worth at all. But church, I'll tell you this right now. I'll tell you this right now. Call no person worthless for whom Jesus has died. Right? Oh. We wouldn't, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't call people worthless, would we? Oh, man, we wouldn't say it. We wouldn't say it. We might act that way. I don't know. It, I don't know. It's hard to get the gospel to those guys over there. Huh. Good luck, people. You come to my pew. It's all comfy. And we wouldn't say it, would we? We might act it. But I'll tell you right now, that one soul was worth more than all the stocks. It's worth more than that 401k retirement that you and I might have and worship from time to time. His soul's worth more than rubies and gems and emeralds and diamonds. His soul was worth it. The question we might ask at this time, and I'll ask it, do you know a lost soul? Do you? I think we would all say, yeah, we do. And I would say, church, you and I have the privilege of telling them about Jesus. Let's keep moving. Verse 4. We're getting the setup. Verse 4. Got these four dudes carrying the stretcher, this paralytic. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, the him being Jesus, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And that's going to bring me to truth number two that I want us to get today. Truth number one, we must bring all people to Jesus. Truth number two, we must use all means. Use all means. That's what we see here. Like, okay, so, okay, I, listen, I, it's not lost on me. You know, this is not the first time you've, you've heard this story. Some of you, it may be the first time. But for the vast majority of you, this is not the first time you heard this story. So you're like, well, it's obvious. It's not obvious. It's not obvious. I mean, number one, number one, you're going to get a paralytic to Jesus. You're going to have to get a stretcher. So at some point, someone said, hey, let's get a stretcher. Let's get three of you together and let's, 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 let's carry him. Let's, let's carry him. So you imagine the picture. You got four guys. Maybe they're strong guys. Maybe they're, I don't know, but I'm sure it got heavy. You got the paralytic laying there, and they finally get him to the door where Jesus is at, and there's people everywhere. It's hot, it's dusty, you know, and, and then they can't get in, right, because of the crowds. I don't know. The story doesn't tell us. Maybe they attempted to. Maybe they were pushed away. I don't know. And I guess eventually, this is what I'm thinking, eventually they lay the mat down and they got sweat, they got perspiration. I don't know. They very well could have said, well, we tried. We tried. They did, and they did, they did, they did. They could have went home and, and, and boasted in their effort that failed, you know, very, very well. They could have done that. 
Once again, I don't know how it all went down, but at some point, at least one of them said, hey, I got an idea. I hope you all have friends that love Jesus and from time to time will say, hey, I got an idea. And I don't know if all three of them were on board all at once or maybe they took some convincing, I don't know, but at, at, at some point they all said, yeah, let's climb up this roof. I don't know how you get up there. and Let's, let's get up there and let's dig us a hole and let's, let's, let's drop him down. And it's really insane if you think about it. How many, how many of us, how many, how many of us would be willing to destroy the roof of a house so that one man could hear about Jesus? I don't know, man. And they had to look crazy, right? I mean, we got people here laughing at them. Look at those fools. Well, me making fun of them? I don't know. They looked ridiculous. They looked ridiculous. Here's what I want you to see. They looked ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Unless you know who's in the house, right? Right? Christian, we look ridiculous. At least I hope we do. To a dead and dying world. Unless you know who's in the house. What I see, what I see, what I see is many of us forfeit our joy because we go around worried about looking ridiculous to a dead and dying world. And I hope I help a lot of you right now. I already have. I hope, I hope, I hope. Just know this. You do look ridiculous. Just boom, get it over with. You're supposed to look ridiculous. It's through our weakness that his power is magnified. Anyway, they succeed. They succeed. They, succeed. they get up on that house. They get, I don't know those guys are going to mess up that window, the, door, the, 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 the roof. And imagine... I don't know the guys inside the house. You got that crowd. You got all that stuff going on, and you're listening to Jesus, and you hear the, I don't know, dust start flying on your head, and then maybe a crack, and then I'm guessing some light shines through, and it gets bigger and bigger, and some guys or guys up on the top say, hey, look down, look out below. We're going to send someone in. He needs to see Jesus. They don't even ask permission I don't know, man, that Peter's house. I don't know what Peter's people were thinking. That's my roof, man. I don't know. But they start lowering him. It's unbelievable. Got the Pharisees sitting there shaking the dust off. I don't know. Real quick, and I've been thinking about these guys. I think there's, I don't have this in your outline. You can write this down if you want to. But I think there's at least three characteristics in the faith that these men had. And I just want to go over it real quickly. I believe they had a persistent faith. Right? And they get their buddy up to the, th- the door and they can't do it. And they're not going to stop. They're, they're going to they're figure out a way. They're going to figure out a way to get their friend to Jesus. It's persistence. Oftentimes I hear this, and I understand it to a degree, but it can't rule us. Um, sometimes I hear people say, I tried, God closed the door. So I'm not doing it. That may be true sometimes. But oftentimes, I think people say God has closed a door simply because things have gotten difficult. We do that all the time. No, I've I've seen it. I have people in my office say, God closed that door. And I'm sitting there and saying, I don't know if God closed the door. God, I think, is telling you to push a little bit harder. 
We do not follow the path of least resistance. That is not what we do, man. There have been times in my life when I've sat there and I thought God had closed a door and he had not. It was just difficult. And on the flip side, I'd say this. Just because a door is open don't mean you need to go walking through it. you got to pray. you got to get wise counsel. Nonetheless, their faith was persistent. Second, this is what I see, their faith was creative. It's creative. Knowing whom Jesus is and how it is paramount for those who don't know him to hear about him, it does require you to be creative. I think, I could be wrong, they sitting there lowering the rope and, you know, the, 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 um, the stretcher going down. Someone probably thought, well, why didn't I think about that? It was obvious. Uh, uh, you didn't think about it because you weren't trying. You were unaware or didn't care or something. You were not being creative. Maybe they said, we never done it before. And those guys said, we ain't never done it before either. The other thing I'd say about their faith is, and this is where I want to get to this, their faith was sacrificial. And that brings me to the third truth. Here's the third truth. One, we must bring all people to Jesus. Two, we must use all means. Three, we must use all means cost no no, really like somebody gonna have to fix that roof man someone's gonna have to pay to fix the roof there'll be labor there'll be expense once again i would say that man's soul was infinitely more important than a roof it was infinitely more important than the house and the village now, I'll say this quickly, carefully, I mean, I don't think we just need to go around spending money needlessly. That's not what I'm saying. Like, if they could have gone through the door and they went through the roof, I think Jesus would say, what you fools doing, right? I think he would rebuke them. That's an unnecessary use of money and cost, right? And once again, please hear me. I'm not going to get into this much, but I think the evangelical South, much of the evangelical community, we love to spend money, just spend money, right? So, 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 so maybe you're going to have the, 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 it doesn't matter, I don't know, we, but we, we don't, we don't do that. We don't spend money just to spend money. We don't. But I'm telling you right now, if Jesus says, get this done, we don't worry about the money. We do it by all cost necessary. Now, verse 5, how does Jesus respond to this? That's important. Hey, but that's the most important. So you got all this commotion going on. That's all cool. That's all crazy, right? What does Jesus think about it? Verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. That's an odd response. I mean, really, it's kind of an odd response, right? Why is that odd? Nobody had even asked for their sins to be forgiven. Jesus Jesus is unfazed. You got the dirt. You got the people running and all the craziness. Someone going down. Jesus looks at the guy. He says, son, your sin's forgiven. And I'm like, I didn't know no one asked. No one asked. That wasn't the question, Jesus. Why is Jesus saying that? I'll tell you why Jesus is saying that. Jesus is saying that because Jesus sees the greater need. 
Like, like he's, the paralytic thought his greatest need was to be able to walk. And Jesus is like, no, no, it'd be nice to walk. That's not your greatest need, man. Your greatest need is you're a sinner. And the wrath of God is on you. Me and every one of us were born sinners by choice and by nature. And Jesus says their faith, <laughs> you know, you repent and you believe. He saved you. Your sins are forgiven. It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, here's what I think. Here's what I think. When Jesus said that, I think the room fell silent. I do. Because Jesus is making a claim when he says that. And everybody knew it. It might be lost on some of us. It's right there. Jesus is saying, I am God. That's what he's saying. And I think the room would have got quiet. What did he just say? And that brings us to verse 6, and we see the calloused scribes. Look at this. Now, some of the scribes were, there's our word, sitting. Remember, everybody else be standing. Not the scribes. They're questioning in their hearts. You see, the truth was the real paralytic in that room was the scribes and the Pharisees. They had a paralytic heart, and they're just sitting there. They should, these were religious leaders. The religious leaders should have been directing people to Jesus. He's here. Get over here now. Jesus is here. Instead, they sit and they're judging. Criticism. Jesus saw through it. Look at verse 7. Why does this man... Oh, no, this is them still speaking. Why does this man... That's Jesus speak like that. He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They got it exactly. How does Jesus respond? Verse 8, and immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they had thus questioned within themselves, said to them, once again, he's answering questions that have not been asked out loud. Why do you question these things in your hearts? Now, I think he's looking right at the scribes and the Pharisees. Hey, 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 why are you guys, why, why are you questioning? Jesus says, verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, go home. The argument is this, if Jesus can heal his physical need, then Jesus can heal his moral need. What? could the Pharisees say? That's a good deal. Yeah, Jesus, cool. You, you, you heal that man. He walks out of here. Yeah. Verse 4, I mean, verse 12, point 4, the crowd's surprise. And he rose and immediately. There's so much packed in that word immediately. But I want you to know, when Jesus speaks, things happen immediately. Picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and what? Glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. And now you see the paralytic jumping. I don't know, shouting. I don't know. I believe who's to say his friends weren't dancing with him. Who's to say he doesn't dance out of that place? Who's to say they're not 
clapping. Who's to say they're not all yelling and celebrating? It's tremendous. A paralytic who could not walk is now walking. But here's the point. Don't let this be lost on you. Not long after that, it's not in the Bible, but we know this to be true. Not long after that, the paralytic died. I know that because we all die. Not long after that, he lost the ability to walk because he died. That was temporal. Walking was temporal, but he had received something eternal, something greater than being able to walk. He had received eternal life. Do not let that be lost on you. The greatest miracle Jesus ever does, the greatest miracle I believe that God does today is he saves men and women, and that's what happens here. Let us be a people who do all we can to tell as many people as we can about Jesus. That's a tremendous story. Let me ask two final questions. One, has Jesus ever said to you, your sins are forgiven? That's for each, each one of you. If you're watching, it's for you. If you have not, if Jesus never said to you, all you need to do, repent of your sins and believe. Call on Christ Jesus, save me, and he will. Second question I have for everyone. Do you know someone who needs to meet Jesus? I think every one of you do. I think everyone watching or listening, you do too. Please introduce them to Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Do everything you can. All cost, all means, bring them to Christ. Maybe you've got to be persistent and creative and sacrificial, sacrificial, but do it. Yes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> one quarter, one turn, one helmet. It's goofy. It is never goofy to walk across the street and tell your neighbor about Jesus. It is never goofy to tell your people you work with, your friends, and your family about Jesus. Let us be a people who follow Jesus and tell people about him. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.